midlife. The Midwest. It's the middle class. The millennials. Baby boomers. West Coast. East Coast. The far right. The far left. What we need is some middle ground. Middle ground. Middle. Middle. Middle ground. All right. Welcome, groundlings, to yet another edition of Middle Ground. I'm Chris Otto. I'm Chris Kelch, two guys in the middle of it all trying to figure out everything. Uh, Midwest, midlife, middle of everything. Middle of everything, we found some middle ground. Uh, Good to talk with you again, but it's always fun to talk with you after I've seen you. After I've seen you, that's even funner, so we actually have stuff to talk about. Oh, you were talking to me. I thought you were talking to our massive audience. No, no, about Um, both of you guys, you and our audience. Thanks, guys, for listening, both of you. (laughs) uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Uh, So this week on Middle Ground, and boy, are you lucky you tuned to – hello, I'll edit that out. Boy, are you – let's try again, take two. Uh, Boy, are you lucky you tuned in this week because this guest is going to blow your socks off. Or you're going to want to blow her socks off or maybe pay 300 bucks for them. That's a little hint. Um, She calls herself, she's 27 years old. She's from the Western United States. That's as much as I'm, uh, you'll learn later where she's from. But she calls herself a femdom humiliatrix. She humiliates grown men. For money, lots of it, and she makes more money than probably our audience combined. I'm sorry. (laughs) Wow, Um, our audience is not doing very well. (laughs) No, our audience needs to hit the books. Uh, No, she does well. She's having fun. She's making some money. She's dialed into something that works for her. And as always on Middle Ground, Chris and I or our audience don't judge. No judging. This uh, is a no judge. Well, I don't want to say no judge zone because then we run into that no spin zone with Bill. What's his name? I hate that guy. Bill Riley. Absolutely. Can't wait for that. And but of course, before the fun in the true spirit of America and Memorial Day weekend, uh, we have to self promote. That's really why we're here. So a couple of different things. Uh, Obviously, you know, we'd love for you guys first and foremost to to log on to iTunes. Uh, Middle Ground, the podcast with Chris and Chris. And please take a listen and do us a favor. Take a few minutes and review it. It would really help us uh, move up in the standing, so to speak. And uh, who knows, you might enjoy it and gives you an opportunity to express yourself and your thoughts and things you want to see on the program, things you think we should leave out. Honestly, uh, log on and give us a review. Everyone's a critic, as we know. And we'd love to hear from you uh, on that love platform. Love to. Please. Please. And e- email is really important. Chris and Chris MG at gmail.com. Although today, if they sent email today, I may have trouble getting it because we're having some problems with our server here at um, uh, World Headquarters for Middle Ground. Louise is going to look into that today. Louise is so. going to look into it. In fact, uh, we're having yeah. an IT guy as we speak. Look, uh, somebody's, somebody's coming in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Uh, okay, so fun week right i mean we had a good time we're talking yeah it was good to see you on friday of memorial weekend so we were met in detroit and we took in a little uh trapped in a room with a zombie uh for those you remember rick broida one of our early guests on the show uh put this together in detroit and he comped us some tickets thank you rick and we went and i shout out to broida yeah and so i spent i don't know what you did but i spent the rest of the weekend explaining it to friends and family oh and yeah the way i explained it there it sounds tacky and dumb but the, i'll say this to the audience it's so much cooler and so much more interesting than words describe it or pamphlets describe it or if you're looking at it it's a really really interesting experience it forces you to think on your feet forces you to play on a team forces you to communicate and uh, the coolest thing is the, the experience itself is so intense 
that, uh, and I know you'll vouch for this afterwards, you got to come down from it a little bit. So you and I went out yeah. sat outside in Detroit and had some drinks. But I felt like coming out of that room after a really intense hour, like, man, I really need to unwind. And it was really cool. I was really impressed with it. Our team was great. Everyone was really cool, worked together. And it was just fascinating. It was a really fascinating thing. I'm really glad I did that. Our, our team was good, but we, in fact, got eaten by the zombie. Didn't make it out. According, we didn't you make know, it we, out. We were 30 seconds away. Most people yeah. agree, but then I guess it's always, from what they say, it always comes down to the last 30 seconds. So I bet they tell everybody that. I bet but, they tell me that, and I don't buy the story that 12-year-old Girl Scouts got out of that thing. Yeah, I think they, that's I, I think they tell you that to, to inspire you a little bit to work together, which yeah, works. Then you, that well, then definitely you get, works. Then you get pissed off and you want to come back and do it again. <laughs> right. No, but exactly. I, you're right, though. I, I loved I thought. You know, it was a little sketchy when you, like, walk in this old office building. Not, not old, historic office building in downtown yeah. Detroit. The Penobscot building there, right right downtown. Griswold Fort, Street. Griswold, excuse which me. Which I can't say without, you know, Clark thinking of Chevy, Chevy Chase. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you walk in there, and then you go up to the second floor, and it's just this random sort of office door. And you're like, okay, this is going to be right. this is going to be kind of lame. But it wasn't. It was great. And, and you're right. I think the best part of it for me was going out for drinks afterwards and sitting there and rehashing the whole thing, which lasted probably two or three times longer than the actual event. We yeah, were there for two or right. three hours drinking, and, and we got hammered. Funny. Yeah, and you got to meet my friend Jamie. And uh... Sup, Jamie? What's up? <laughs> there you go. Well, I, I have to ask you then, after we left, so we had drinks, we rehashed the whole thing, we had a great time, but on our way out, huge group of women there that, uh, I, I refer to them as the faux Kardashians, because right. there were like eight or nine women, they all looked exactly the same, sort of Middle Eastern looking or Greek right. or something with black hair, all beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. women. And you, I think, had gone to the restroom at some point and chatted with them or flirted with them, and then you came yep. back to the table. So on the way out, uh, I was a little uh, feeling pretty good from my adult beverages sure. and just started chatting with them and we invited him to listen to the podcast. I think we invited them to be guests on the podcast actually. Yeah, we did. But uh and then we walked away and I was like, dude, why didn't you why didn't you get one of their number? What right. so you decided to go back? I I, I want to know what right. happened. What happened? We were, at, you, we were at the street corner and I thought enough is enough. I'm just going to go in for one last pitch to him and I work yeah. in sales and I work in sales phone sales so I know how to do that that one final <laughs> voicemail that one yeah final, right because being it. in phone sale phone sales are always so successful right well yeah it's less the well less than 50 percent anyway so I go up to these guys and they're at the table and they're having cake and beautiful like you said you described a perfectly beautiful family of mid-eastern women of which there's a lot of in Detroit uh, but they are beautiful. They do literally look like the Kardashians. Oh, they were stunning. Yeah. So I go up to their table, which is hard to do. I mean, you're going up to a group's table, uh, and it's a beautiful evening in downtown Detroit. It's outside. And uh, so I go to them. I go, hey, guys, um, one. this is my exact line. Hey, guys, one final time, i got to ask you, we'd love to have you on the podcast. I think you guys are great. I think you have an awesome story. We'd love to have you guys come on and tell it. And just would love to uh, to have you guys listen to it. Blah blah blah. If I could get your phone numbers. But while I'm saying this, <laughs> oh, no. the security guy from oh, the restaurant no. comes up to me, and he's getting in my he's coming into my personal space, and he's making sure that I'm not doing anything. You're kidding? Uh, no, I'm not kidding. So I see him out of the corner of my eye. And because I have a lot of, uh, you know, it's like background in improvisation and sales, I stand my ground and I keep the pitch. 
but I keep it really cool and everything and, and make sure that he knows that I'm not threatening these women, I'm not doing anything weird or anything like that, blah, blah, blah. So the woman, the one of the girls looks at the guy, lets him know that I'm okay, I'm not offending them, I'm not harassing them or anything like that, and she goes, do me a favor, give me your you know cell phone and your information and all this stuff and, and the podcast, mm. and we'll listen to it, and if, if we're interested, we'll, we'll give you a call. And I never heard from him again. Uh, yeah, that kind of, maybe it's the tone in which you delivered that last update, but, uh, you're, we're not going to hear from them. It, it sounded gonna. like they just were like humoring you. So they security were. guy would go away and they you would were. go away. Yeah. It, I mean, it was not going to happen. The, 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 the security guy headed it off and I, I did, I don't like making people feel uncomfortable. I, when I see people uncomfortable, that's my cue to back off. I'm not an unnaturally aggressive person, but I figured what the hell one last pitch can't hurt anything. So I went for it and that's it. It's not meant to be. Well, it was, I mean, we were drunk, admittedly, and it was, I don't know, uh, nine o'clock, still light outside. So it, it did, maybe we did come off as a little bit annoying or obnoxious. But, um, and I thought later, why did I send him back in there, encourage him to go hit on them again? Nine of them sitting at a table. The chances of you, I mean, which one, first of all, which one are you going to choose? Uh, there was one that uh, was sitting towards the end that uh, stepped up and kind of spoke for the group and kind of took charge of the situation um, and not in an in a alpha way or anything like that, just was really cool, like, hey, you know, we'll tell you what, we'll do this, and blah, blah, blah. So she handled it on her end. I thought she was really cool. There was nothing There was nothing awkward or anything about it. Nothing was, you know, poorly yeah. said or poor. So it was all really polite and really straightforward, uh, but it just didn't work out. It's not happening. Well, I uh, and maybe I'll, I'll take a little bit of the blame on this one because um, impossible, impossible to make any headway with anyone in a group of nine girls, especially when they're all sitting at a table, right. focused on each other, focused on their meal, their dessert, whatever, and you're standing there, you know, trying to, I don't know, make eye contact or connect with one of them, and you don't really know which one because they all look exactly the same. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know your odds. I mean, that that was that was a no win situation. It was and, a no win, but I'm glad I tried. No but sometimes you just got to try, and uh, that's what I'm, I'm happy that I did that just to get it closure and just to say, well, I gave it a shot. It wasn't meant to be, but that's okay. Hey, we move on. You know what? Life is too short, and kudos to you for giving it that shot. We have to touch on this. Uh, hold on one second, Louise. Oh, Louise, Louis, Louise. Uh, she's in the uh, she's in the break room there. She's got a donut in her mouth. <laughs> we worked we worked out hand signals though. I nice. just make a, a T like a timeout signal. Tinder, nice. open nice. the box. Yeah. Welcome to this week's episode of the Tinder Box, where nothing good ever happens. <laughs> Tinder. We got a lot of Tinder stuff this week, and I wasn't yeah, so, even... Yeah, uh, so consolidated. Bring it in. Bring it and in. I wasn't Consol even what do you got? What do you got? One, thumbing through Tinder on Sunday night, came across a porn star that I recognized. I don't want to go into too much detail, but let me just say, between you, me, and the audience, I'm familiar with her work. I have seen her work. <laughs> so when I oh. came across her on Tinder, there's no doubting. I went, oh, that's 
such and such. I don't know if you want me to use your name or not. I, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, so I go, so I go, what the heck is she doing in Chicago? Then I remember I was walking through the lobby of the uh, Palmer House Hotel building a couple years ago, and I'm walking through the lobby, and I saw this exact same porn star. She's sitting in the lobby. Again, I know it's her because I'm familiar with her work. So uh, I look at her and I go, what the heck is she? Then I started thinking, putting two and together. Well, she's in Chicago. She's an escort. So clearly, if you're at the Palmer House Hotel and you're here, you're an escort. Yep. Yep, so absolutely. I, I pulled, I dunk, I dug around in some chat rooms. Sure enough, some people in chat rooms said that she was now living in the Chicago area and she was mm. doing some escorting. But I found her on Tinder, and she's not going by her porn star name. She's going by another name. I started digging around, doing some more research. Long story short, this person is moved home to DeKalb, Illinois, which for those of you not familiar, is home of Northern Illinois University. And I found her. She's on Facebook. She's on LinkedIn. I've sent her a note. Obviously, Chris and I are opportunists, and we'd love for her <laughs> to be a guest on this show. Well, wait. Before- so let's cut to the chase here, though. You Obviously, you swiped right. Absolutely. And her, and nothing back. Nothing back. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what's the... All right. Well, let's... Um, my fingers are crossed, man. Hope we get her. That'd be kind of a cool... Like, a hey, thing. you're a porn She's star. A what are you doing experience. on Tinder? But hey, you did send me the her name. I looked her up and... Ooh. I don't know. 40, 42 and looks a little worn. Little, little, that's little... Be- that's because used. she's not 40 and 42. She's our age. She's 49. Sorry. Oh, man. A 49-year-old porn star? Yeah. Dude, but was, she, was she doing porn when it was like... <laughs> film strip against a white wall or something in the backyard. Yeah, her that's and a... Linda Lovelace are besties. <laughs> Debbie does Dallas. Um, all right, so we're going to hold out for her. Now, What uh, you had an incident last night. Did anything come of that? came across a beautiful 27-year-old uh, girl named Jen. I swiped right on, and she swiped right on me, so we did match. Ooh. But I go and I look at her profile, and she basically says, I love to shop, I love to travel. I love to spend money, and I would love it if I could find an SD on here. Oh, boy. There you, you go, it? sugar daddy. Hello, sugar, sugar daddy. daddy. I was going to say, for those new to this, SD means sugar daddy. Sugar means, daddy, uh, and she wants to be an SB, a sugar baby. Yeah, so, and she's, like, she's one of the few, actually, you don't meet a lot of attractive people on Tinder. I'm sorry, you just don't. But she was actually one of the few, like, really cute, like, Michigan State cute Chicago cute. Michigan she, State cute. Right? You know what I'm talking about, right? No. Yeah, no, I, right. yeah. Well. So anyways, long story short, I thought she was really cute, and I'm looking at her going, oh, I don't have the money to support her. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but you both swiped right, so what happened? You sent her a note? I sent her a note, but how do you, again, I just get put in these bizarre situations. I, I don't know how to open that conversation. I, so I just came right out and said, I opened with a question. It was, you can, I know you're going to criticize this, but my opening salvo was, any luck finding a sugar daddy on here? <laughs> uh, yeah, because, um, you know, I don't know. When I used to do Tinder a lot and Match.com and all that stuff, but I, I used to always try to imagine, okay, whatever my first question is going to be, what are all the possible answers in her head that she could respond to and quickly delete me? So, like, like, what was your question again? Any luck finding a sugar daddy on here? I can just see her going, nope, and then delete. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. It's There, there is no perfect, perfect uh, opening line. But actually, today's guest uh, might be. Might oh, be close asked. that box up. It's been open too long. Close it up. Thank you. 
music's so good. The music's better than the than the actual stories. I love point. those guys. Yeah, I, I look forward to that little interlude more than I do your damn stories. You got to yeah. hook up with somebody on Tinder for us to continue this. Otherwise, and we, gotta, we should have this band on the on the actual podcast. They're that good. I don't know if the Tinder updates are going to be picked up. You know, <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna be picked up for the new season. So I want to ask you something though. Uh, a couple things went on this week that caught my attention and we have never talked about it on the podcast and i just want to throw it out there and get your opinion on this all right um transgenders Mm -hmm. the bathroom controversy do you think they should be allowed to use the bathroom of their their current post transgender situation you know so if you go from a man to a woman can you use the man's the woman's bathroom or should you use the man's what's your take on that you can use the woman's bathroom you're not hurting anybody Another thing that caught my attention, and this is why I decided to bring it up. In Alaska, a high school student for the first time ever competed in the state finals in track as her new gender. So it was a fe- it was a male who had the surgery, you know, whatever, did whatever they needed to do to become a girl and then competed in the state finals in track as a girl. And uh, I guess they had, you know, the top 10 in the the heats go on to the finals well the girl who finished 11th was angry and basically said this isn't fair that is a boy a boy's body with the boy's muscle tone and boy's size i mean the girl's like i don't know five eleven six foot and all the other girls are five seven five five this is a boy we're competing against and if that wasn't allowed i would have been in the top 10 this uh, is not fair. Jesus. She's got a point. She's got a huge point. And She's I thought to myself, point. we really need to rethink this transgender thing. I mean, yeah, I having a, a, a dude in the urinal next to you who used to be a woman, who cares? Big deal. In the right. women's bathroom, they all have booths anyways or right. stalls. Who cares, exactly. right? No harm, I mean, no foul. You can no wash harm, your no hands foul. next to somebody who had surgery and has a penis now or doesn't have a penis. I don't know. I don't but, care. But when it comes to competing in athletics where men are truly bigger and stronger, and that's, you know, this isn't this isn't a knock on women. It's just a fact. Sure. Right. I mean, the average size and height of a man is larger and taller than a woman. So, I mean, you don't have NBA teams competing against WNBA teams for a reason. Did that so, guy or women or whoever did they did he win the whole thing? He better have if he did. Well, it's, it's a she now. It's, it's a she. It's a she did she yeah. win the whole thing? She I, better I, have. I don't know, and I I should have followed up to see what happened, but I saw the piece in I don't know USA Today or something, and I, it just really that is an area we need to rethink. And I I am not ready to say that all transgender people have the rights of the gender that they have taken on. I'm not ready either because that is not equality. That's unfairness there. Yeah. I'm uh, with you totally. The bathroom's one thing, but if you're going to do that, and and by the way, how many of these transgender people are there? I don't know, but there must be a lot. They're coming out everywhere now. Then could we create a whole other division in sports just for them? Because that's where it's headed. uh, I don't know. I think you have to compete. Well, I don't know. If you're a woman and you become a man and then you're taking testosterone, you're probably not going to be allowed to compete with the women because you have an advantage. Um, and if you're a man becoming a woman and you're still competing, you're going to I, I, it's just it's very confusing. I, I mean, I don't think it's I don't know how you deal with that with athletics. I mean, professional athletics, I think, is easy. But high school athletics, I, I don't know. That's tough. Or college even. What do you do? What do you do? I don't know. I don't know. 
I, I, I'm with you though. There's something's got to be addressed because that's just inequal. That's not fair. It's not right. No, it's not fair. I really felt bad for the girl who got who got bumped and didn't make to the finals or whatever. Because it reminds me of that story. I don't know if we discussed that. That kid that they found out was 30 years old playing basketball in Canada. Oh, yeah, right. He was dunking on everybody. That's <laughs> that's yeah, what this a, is coming to. That's the same is, same thing. Same that's just thing. not cool. Same thing. It's not, not cool. cool. Not cool. Oh, so uh, another thing I wanted to talk to you about this week, and this is kind of cool because, um, and I noticed this when I was reading USA Today. I, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm in the middle of a. I'm, I'm podcasting. I'm recording. Sorry about that, man. We got. I mean, I got a real problem. No, no, sure. no, sir. I'm sorry. We see the on air sign right there. The red, yeah. the big, big red sign, and see yes. my 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 yeah, intern Louise yeah, is jumping sorry, up and down, yeah. screaming no, at you. What, I know what? that, man. I'm sorry, but I gotta. This is an old server, and we're upgrading. And uh, I gotta get this out of here, man. I'm really sorry. Right? I no, should, I, I, I know. You we don't have... know. Hey, man. The the the, the temp agency. Said, I'm Jared, man. I'm the IT guy. You and I have never. Jerry. Been. Jared. Jerry. No, Jared. Jared, like the subway guy, man. But I'm the IT <laughs> wow. guy. Wow. Okay. Man. I'm, I'm not. not a... You know. Don't touch me. Don't touch yeah. me. All right. Yeah, Just back man. Off. I I I knocked around. I've worked a lot of IT jobs. <laughs> I was. Uh, I was Hillary Clinton's IT guy before really? that whole thing. Yeah, I mean it's nuts out there. Well, well, wait. And I what, told so, her, you know, and I and I got a real problem. I mean, they told me to hit the. I got a. I I I love the Bam Bam man. I mean, I am I stoned half the time off my rock. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm on the I'm on the wow. Washington State stuff, and I don't smoke that shit from Colorado, man. I, I smoke the good stuff. So, well, I, of course, I, yeah. I, yeah. But I, I have to ask you though. Um, I'm here in Michigan. Hillary Clinton lives in the suburban, the New York suburbs, I believe. What What are you doing here? Yeah, well, like I said, man, that job went south, and I had to go get another one, and I, they asked me to leave the state, man. It got a little hairy, so we had what we call the situation. Uh, yeah, and The Department yeah. of Defense said it'd be best if you got lost, so I came here. I was looking for a gig, and, uh, you know, they, they say, what do you do? I say, I do everything, man. I do servers. Um, I can connect for podcasting, yeah. broadcast. I know it all, man. I well, hey, in and out of while I have you here, can I, um, and I, while well, Chris stepped out, I just want to ask you a couple questions. Uh, so uh, she's in a lot of trouble for that server. You're actually the guy that set it up? Yeah, I set the whole thing up, customized, man. She said, can you set me up in my house? I'm like, hell yeah, man. I set that thing whole. I set that thing. Do you know why she did that? Because that's not cool. That was like against all the governmental rules. She was like secretary yeah, of state. Man. Hey, man. Hey, look, if you could, you would too, man. I know you got stuff you hide. I'm sure your partner hides a bunch of stuff, man. Oh, he and those totally are just does. the pictures. So oh my everyone God. has stuff to hide, man. <laughs> yeah, Videos absolutely. and purchases. But she saw an opportunity and she did. I said, Yeah, I'll set you up. It's a side job, man. It's easy. It was in and out. It was a side job. Of just course. A side so, server. So, well, yeah, there's a, a lot of side jobs going on there in the Clinton yeah. household. So um when you did it though, did you by any chance, and you can tell me, and believe me, nobody listens to this podcast. Right, man. Uh, in fact, when you go on our email server, you're not going to find any email. So, and maybe right, that's man. what's wrong with it. Maybe you can fix yeah. that. Yeah, but, I'll fix it, man. Yeah, thank you. And but did you have access to Hillary's email? Can you tell us what was yeah, in there? Yeah, man. Yeah, when he was, I was surprised, man. I logged on thinking I'm going to find some nasty stuff, and I just found one of the mill everyday stuff, man. It was boring, man. It was pictures R of her granddaughter 
And here's the thing she's really hiding. She kicks ass in fantasy football, man. She was running a fantasy football <laughs> league out of that thing. And at the time this all came down, she was leading her league by about 280 points. No one was going to catch her, man. She well, had Peyton Manning in his final. It was unbelievable, man. This is un- I mean, she rocked. She had Peyton. People were. Oh, Jerry, was it? Is it Jerry? Jared, man. Jerry, yeah, J-E-R-R-O, nice. Okay. Like the subway per. Oh, guy, Jared. Man. Sorry, Jared. Man. <laughs> Sorry, Jared. So, um, did but Benghazi? Was there anything about Benghazi? Yeah, man. There was emails back and forth. They wanted to put a pool in the embassy, and they wanted a hot tub, <laughs> and they wanted to just deck that place out. But then it all went <laughs> south, and then we had to get the f out of there, man. Right. That thing right. was. That thing was going to be a crib, man. They want yeah, that thing set up, man. It was amazing. Can I ask, Crazy. what did you do with the server when you removed it from the home? Where is it? Uh, oh, it's in my basement, man. I use it. I play a lot of video. It's got a lot of lot of room on there, a lot of memory. I play a lot of video games and all kinds of stuff on there. I got a satellite hookup. I got like that Call of Duty game on there. I'm kicking ass on that thing. I play with a bunch of dudes. I got like a wow. Dungeon and Dragons game. I play with other people throughout the world. You obviously did a great job with her server setting it up and, and removing it apparently and getting rid of emails that might have been uh, incriminating. So I fully trust you with what you're doing with ours. Is she running for office or something? She got something going because they keep talking about her. Yeah, she's not working right now. She's in between gigs and uh, she's trying to, she's, yeah, she's sort of going through the the application, the interviewing, the vetting process for a new job. I don't know if that works out for her. She was always good to me. Yeah, well, I'm... uh... I'm not sure I agree with you, but okay, yeah. Thanks, Jared. Uh, appreciate you stopping in. When are we going to have the server back, you think? I just got to take it home and take a look at it and do some fine-tuning with it and see if I can get you guys some more memory. I know it's, it, it overheats, man. The hard thing is these things get so hot. You got to have a fan. You got to keep these things cool. We don't have any fans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good uh, one, th- man. I'm out of here. Thanks, thanks Jared. partner. Thanks for stopping by. Oh, Thanks, Chris. Bro. Oh, you just missed. Yeah, that's Jared right there. Say hi to oh. Jared. Hi, Jared. Yeah. Man, I'm out that's, of here, man. He's in not, not the subway, Jared. That's our IT guy. Oh, I didn't know we had one. Good job. Yeah. I didn't know you. All right. Yeah. We're, we're it's, expanding. It's kind of weird that you were actually able to just to just see him when he's over here with me. Yeah. Isn't, I, well, isn't that weird? He's welcome. Yeah. <laughs> You're in Chicago, <laughs> and I'm here. That's so weird. It's just. Nice. nice. Yeah, that's but, cool. but you and I are on the same wavelength. We're on the same Absolutely. Wavelength. In spirit. Cool, cool. All right, good stuff. What else you got? That's it. (laughs) Dick pics? Dick pics. Dick pics. Dick pics. My dick pic this week is the woman who had the infinite wisdom and lack of attention to her son as he crawled through the barriers, jumped over a moat, scaled three fences, broke through a couple of locks, busted down a door, and got into the gorilla cage at the Cincinnati Zoo. I'm sorry, Mom. Mom, what the hell? Hello, Mom. What are you doing? What's more important than keeping your child away from the gigantic monkey that could crush him with one finger? Did you see King Kong? I, I don't, yeah, that's, she's my easy dick pick of the week, the mom in Cincinnati Zoo. What a dick. My dick pick uh, is the guy who secretly runs the internet and knows what you bought from Amazon or Overstock.com. I did some online shopping a couple of weeks ago, and they know what you've bought, and so they pepper you with ads 
of your whole workday long of things that would accessorize what you bought or things like that. And all I have to say is we have to stop the madness. People do not join Amazon Prime because once you join Amazon Prime, you're going down a, super, a slippery slope. Let's say you bought pillow sh uh, covers or whatever for your bed or whatever. They're going to pepper you with ads. They're going to come back with you the next day and go, did you need sheets with that? Did you, did you need a mattress pad with that? And they're just going to keep coming at you and keep coming at you until you, you know, go down that slope. It's this trend to customize your internet experience for your own uh, likes and dislikes and all that, and I hate it. Like, I, like the, the same thing with the ESPN app, right? You, right. when you sign into ESPN, you at the beginning it says, "What are your favorite teams?" So I say, "Michigan State Spartans, Detroit Tigers, Detroit Lions," you know, whatever. So now, when I sign on to ESPN, all I get is Detroit news. Yeah. I don't. I, I go to the Detroit Free Press or the Detroit News for that because they're local. They cover the teams better. That's Absolutely. where I want my local news. I want the national news from ESPN. I, I want to know what's going on with Golden State Warriors. I want to know what's going on with in the NHL, you know, the Stanley Cup Finals. I, I don't want to – I go elsewhere for that stuff. Yet every, I want to I know which ESPN personalities have sexually assaulted someone or shot their mouth <laughs> off. Like they I want to know that. I go to ESPN for that. <laughs> well, no, you go to Sports Illustrated for oh, that okay. to find out about <laughs> ESPN, right? Um, but yeah, I, this whole customization thing—I hate it, and I'm—I try not to sign into any websites and tell them who I am. That's my dick pic. That guy who runs there that scenario. Nice. He doesn't have a name. What a dick! Dick pics. Dick pics. Well, let's go to this week's guest, and this is a lot of fun. And I know we say this every week, but we are on a roll with some really great guests, and this one knocks it out of the park. And when you hear her knock it out of the park, you're going to want to buy her panties that she wore <laughs> when she knocked it out of the park. Uh, so this is a femdom humiliatrix. She sells her panties. She sells her her underwear. She sells same thing. She sells her <laughs> panties. She sells her pantyhose. She sells anything that men want to buy, and men want to buy things that you would not believe. So here she is from the West Coast. Our guest on Middle Ground, Sierra Lynch. First of all, welcome and thank you very much for joining us. But I want you to know that, you know, whatever you know about the podcast, I'm sure you know we're middle ground, Midwest, midlife, middle of everything. But just because we're in the Midwest and we're older guys doesn't mean we're not familiar with this world. I just want you to know that. So I want you to put you at ease that, you know, we're not going to be lame. This isn't going to be lame. Oh, older guys are some, you know, some of my biggest clients. So I'm, <laughs> I believe you. So you and I talked a little bit earlier, but yeah, I heard you on another podcast, and um, we've mm -hmm. had uh, we've had a couple of guests recently actually talk, you know, BDSM and daddy little girl relationships and crazy stuff that a lot of our listeners I think have never heard. This is a world a lot of people who listen to us have never been introduced to. In fact, my parents sure. my parents listen to this podcast and they've been stunned that so many <laughs> that so many people are into this. And, and in fact, his parents are thinking of going that route. They're thinking uh, <laughs> slave master could be for them. So the message out there to our listeners, to anyone out there, it's 
it's never too late. It's really never too late to get started with your dreams and to That's be right. all that you that you were meant to be, whether it be slave master, BDSM. So, Chris, you need to tell Sierra how important this topic is to us and what you passed up tonight to do this interview. Right. It was, uh, you know, I wasn't expecting it. And I, just, I was just hanging out at, uh, waiting for this to start. And I'm on Tinder flicking, swiping right, blah, blah, blah. And you never know what direction it's going to take. So I swipe right on someone. And this is like at uh, 6.30. So this is a while ago. And I set the phone down. A few minutes later, beep, we got a match. Okay, cool. I see the match. I just go, eh, okay, I'm not going to think too much of it. We got stuff to do tonight. Nothing's going to happen. A few minutes later, message from her. Hey, it's Miriam. How are you? You know, respond, hey, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Then it kind of just, it takes that, it jumps up on you. You don't expect it to. And she's like, what are you looking for on this website? Are you looking to date or hook up? And I wasn't ready for the question, I'll be honest with you. I should have been, but I wasn't. Caught me flat-footed, so I did a neutral answer. Hey, I'm looking for whatever comes along. You know, it's just a stupid neutral guy response. But I thought it was fair, which is all, and I thought it was accurate. And she's like, well, I just broke up with my boyfriend. You live downtown? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I live in Bucktown. Do you drive? Blah, blah, blah. Long story short, she wants me to drive over to her house, and I didn't hook up. Um and I literally, my response to her was, I'm sorry, sweetie, I can't. I'm podcasting tonight. Uh, <laughs> that's fantastic. So, you think she's heard that one before? I can't. I got a podcast tonight. Sorry. Now, look, we're a young, we're, we're admittedly a young podcast, but you're the first guest we've ever had on and passed up the chance to get laid for. Wow. Yeah. I'm so honored, you guys. Aw. Sweet. Be. That's awesome. Well, I hope you can hook up with her later. I hope she wasn't too... Uh, but heard over it. If he doesn't hook up later, you have lots of options on your website that can help him out tonight. How's business? Business is fantastic. <laughs> Never better. I make more and more money every year. When you go to your website, your introductory paragraph says when you were 17, some guy wanted offered you $250 for a little bottle of your urine. And that's when you realized there was a market out there from which you could profit. So is that really how it started? Yep. That's exactly how it started. I was talking to a guy online. Um, you know, just I had some profile up on, I don't know, it, it wasn't even like a kinky website. It was just some some social networking site. And I had AOL Instant Messenger. And so like random people would talk to me and I'd just chat them up. And some of the guys were kind of perverts. And this one happened to be a pervert. And um, he had a fetish for being peed on. He had a fetish for pantyhose. And he really wanted to meet me, and I wasn't about to meet him, um, but I was, like, intrigued by him. Like, I thought he was kind of gross, but I was, like, fascinated at the same time. And, uh, yeah, I was just kind of a weird girl that liked to uh, explore, like, the depths of the male psyche, you know? And the internet was a safe way to do that. And this guy one day was just like, fine, if you're not going to meet me, I'd like to buy a bottle of your piss. And so I was like, yeah, okay. And I, I thought he was bluffing. I thought he was just talking you know typing one-handed or whatever <laughs> and um but i was like you know i'm gonna see where this goes because what what do i have to lose here <laughs> you know other, and other uh, I, now for tonight for my scenario tonight in lieu of me hooking up with her should i send a bottle of my pee does that constitute as a good substitute or no i, I don't think it goes over well with women i want to set a context here though so you're 17 this is what 10 years ago you're 27 now uh, yeah. So 2006 and you're, you have a webcam, you're, you're doing the camming, the cam girl thing, right? 
that what you were uh, doing? Now I am. Oh, you are now? No, so, no. So how, how did this guy, What how, at 17, how do you come across a guy who wants your urine? Well, like I said, I was uh, just filling out social networking profiles and just how teenagers do, just putting themselves out there online, and he found me. Oh, so this was just on a normal, like, like Match.com or something, or Facebook or something like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I can't remember what website it was, but just something like that. You know, you put up your so picture, you, right? A little bit more clarity. So what did you actually put down that caused someone to reach out to you? <laughs> it must have been I a gr- this, great I'm profile. I'm sorry, I think this is key. I think this is important. What, Absolutely. What were the words? Here's the thing. When you're an attractive female, you don't have to say anything. Perverts will want to talk to you. Well, that's true. All I mean, right, true, yeah. true. Nothing. Yeah, so, true so words it wasn't, nothing spoken. Like, it wasn't a kinky website. I was 17. I was going to school. I wasn't doing anything. Like I was just, I was a normal kid. Well, sort of. Um, but I wasn't. <laughs> no, I wasn't in the adult industry. I wasn't doing anything else. And uh, I was just a girl online. And the, the, he found me. And that was was a real light bulb moment for me because I was like, this guy found me randomly. Like, what would happen if I went looking for guys like this? Yeah. And that's how my business got started. So at the time, and were you sexually active? You'd lost your virginity. You had a boyfriend. You were, sex was something you were, you know, way into? Or were you an innocent girl? Uh, no, I mean, I, I'd had sex. I lost my virginity when I was 15. And um, I was very curious. I was into it. Uh, I, was, I didn't have a boyfriend at the time. I was actually an exchange student. Um, I was living in Japan. And I didn't know anyone that spoke English. And boys were scared to death of me. So, uh, yeah, I didn't have a boyfriend at the time. But I wasn't innocent. So you were in Japan. Uh, was the guy who offered you the money for the urine, was he Japanese? No, he was just an American. How did the, I got to ask, how did the Asians like you? I mean, were you exotic to them? Were they going crazy over you? What was that? I know you're a young girl, but what was that like? The, the Japanese are very fascinated by Western culture. Um, I, I think in the same way, a lot of white guys have a fetish for Asian women. There's, you know, kind of a Western fetish for... For Asian guys, um, but they're, you know, not, not to generalize, but whatever, uh, they're pretty passive people, and they were. It was really hard to talk to them. And they were just kind of scared of me for the most part, and and the genders are kind of segregated too. Like um, men tend to just hang out with men, and women tend to hang out with women. There's not a lot of mix. Is there a particular part of the world or countries that you see more customers coming from, or is it everywhere? You know, it's it's somewhat spread out. Um, Mostly Americans, because I'm, you know, that's where I'm from. Um, a lot from the UK, a lot throughout Europe, like France, Germany is pretty common. Um, hmm. Australia, the Middle East. Germans, the I would be East. careful with. Be careful with the Germans, really. They don't. <laughs> from what I've oh, seen Germans of them on film. Yeah. yeah, from what I've seen of them on film, they don't look like they're enjoying it at all. They just look like they're not having any kind of fun. I would just be careful is all I'm saying. <laughs> so so what yeah, are the, okay. what what have you observed are the cultural differences? You know, German men are this way, French men are this way, American men are this way. Oh, that's an interesting question. Um I've noticed a lot of French guys are into feet. Oh, a lot of, oh the feet. Oh. Yeah. Uh, a lot of I'm sorry, I should clarify, uh Sarah, Chris and I are both German, so we're taking copious <laughs> notes right. <laughs> a lot of Middle Eastern guys, um, a lot of them like being called dog. 
Um, a lot of them. Wait, wait, wait. Also, are, we, like, are, we, are we talking like like dog roof roof? Or are we talking like D A W G Snoop Dog? No, I, I mean like we're talking fetishes here. So yeah, like a puppy dog. So they want to be treated like a like a pet or an animal. Uh, well, no, they like being called dog as like a degrading name. Oh, so you're such a fucking like they're dog. A disgusting dog. Yeah. Um, they also like feet. There's a lot of um like race play. So a lot of them, you know, like to refer to me as a superior white goddess is pretty common with with arab men but don't mid-east uh don't mid-east cultures devalue women isn't that the whole point then that's, that's why this is fetishized because anything that's taboo right. is someone's gonna be jerking off to it wow. so it, it makes sense i love that that's that, that that may be the like the tagline for this episode whatever's taboo somebody's jerking off to i like that <laughs> Um, so, so what about the Germans or the Europeans or the, or the British? What, uh, what do you notice about them? Well, the, like the UK has a pretty big kink scene from what I understand. Like there's a lot of like real time dominatrixes, like women who actually do, you know, have a dungeon and do like in-person sessions, a lot of fetish clubs, uh, but the, those the the whole like Arab dog thing that that kind of stands out to me is pretty common. Maybe you guys can both back me up on this. There's something about a British guy. Whenever they're they're doing something sexual, if it's in a British accent, it just sounds that much more like a perv. Like if anyone says, "Okay, piss in a bottle," that's one thing. But when a British guy's over there going, "Could you pee in a bottle, darling? Could you do that for me?" Like that sounds. Well, just... Would you, no, 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 no. It's more like, "Would you like to urinate in this little test tube? Would you do that for me? Could you do that? Just, just a little bit. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be a lot. It's just a little bit. I like to see the yellow." <laughs> what about Asian men? Do you notice anything? Japanese, Chinese. I mean, you know, China. Everybody. everybody I don't talk every, to them. You don't talk to them. Nope. They, uh, my websites are blocked in most Asian countries. Oh. Why, Why is that? Oh. That's interesting. 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 Yeah. Is that just uh, like in the authoritarian societies like Korea and stuff? Or what are we talking about? Is that a government thing? or what are we No, I, I mean, I traveled all throughout Southeast Asia. And um, yeah, porn sites are, are blocked for the most part in most countries. Wow. Well, that's a whole market. You're, you're, boy, when that opens up, you're going to be a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like to think so. I want to cut to the chase here, though. So that's the rest of the world. So you have a unique perspective of American male sexuality and how fucked up it is based on our puritanical roots. So seriously, how screwed up is the American male? And, you know, the fact that you're talking to the two of them here, notwithstanding, just give us the the hard, cold truth. Yeah. How fucked up? I I don't know. I don't think it's that fucked up. Um, I think, I mean, I talk to... You know, you want to talk about fucked up, you know, I, I, the fact that I talk to men in the Middle East, and that that's a repressed country. That's a that's a situation where they really have to keep that down. And, you know, they marry really young and there's no way in hell they're going to tell anyone, let alone their wives, like what they're into. So I think America has it pretty good. I mean, we're a little fucked up about sex, you know, a little con- hypocritical and all that, but you know, we, we, we got it pretty good here. It is interesting though, that there's this scale of weirdness for American sexuality because, you know, we, we've had these women on who are in these relationships where the men are clearly dominant. The men are their daddies or the men are even a master slave relationship with uh, a woman who's been married for 20 years and she loves it. She wouldn't have it any other way, but but if it's the other way around, if you're like you call yourself a humiliatrix, if it's the the man being humiliated and and being made to submit to the woman, we think that's weird. Um, 
you know, I mean, our entire culture is obsessed with breasts and boobs, but if it's feet, then that's weird. It's just we have this odd sort of pick and choose what's weird. Um, now, having said that, in, in your world and in, in what you're doing on a daily basis, what have is there anything that's just been like off the charts? Holy shit, dude! I can't believe you asked me that. I'm so far into this world that it's like this isn't weird to me. <laughs> Pretty jaded. <laughs> um, I'll give you actually a just a recent example of a, a custom video request that I got. Um, this guy wanted me to do a video where I pretend. That I'm so all my videos I'm talking directly to the camera so the viewer feels like I'm talking to him or them or whatever. So in this video he wanted me to talk to him and pretend he was a baby. Okay, kind of you know a little, little out there, but wow. all right. So oh it gets better. He wanted me to uh, you know get all gussied up, full makeup heels and stuff like that and I was supposed to talk to him as a baby and I was supposed to get some Vaseline I was going to cover him in Vaseline and then he wanted the camera to uh, be shot within a garbage bag because I'm going to talk to this baby and tell him how I'm going to put him in a garbage bag with covered in Vaseline and how he's going to suffocate and I'm going to get so much joy out of putting him on the curb and listening for the garbage man to come and pick him up and crush him in the compactor and Holy listen to his bones break and just blood splatter everywhere. And I'm just getting a sadistic wow. thrill out of just killing this little baby in a garbage bag. <laughs> oh my God. You're gonna take him to. Yeah. You're gonna take him to the zoo. You're gonna drop him in the gorilla house. <laughs> you said something that I thought was interesting. So you're you're enjoying yourself. You're 20 some years old. You're making good money. You're you're onto something really cool here. You're not hurting anybody. So you're having some fun. My question is, and you just kind of said it yourself. You've been in this world so long. Uh, I'm only curious to to ask, like, do you think it skewed your view of a relationship? Do you do you lay in bed at night going, you know, I wonder if I'll be able to have a normal relationship or a normal marriage or kids or something like that, given all that I know or all that I don't know? You ever think about that at all? I think about it. I guess I I don't think it's a problem for me at all. Um, it's I've been in maybe three serious relationships since I've been doing this and. It's completely compartmentalized, you know, this is my job and then I have my relationship. I don't think every guy I meet is into something crazy weird, you know? Like, I, I, I meet a guy, I assume he's into boobs and blowjobs like most other guys. Because if you go on Pornhub, <laughs> it's pretty clear what most guys are into, you know? I just know that I'm in this really tiny niche of a market and I'm, you know, taking advantage of that. But I know it's a vast minority, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty good at just keeping it separate. It's never really been an issue. Are your relationships, your boyfriends, are they good at keeping it separate? Are they good enough to compartmentalize, compartmentalize and say, well, this is what you do. This is this is your thing. I'm okay with that. But when you come home at night or whatever, you're with me, blah, blah, blah. How does that work? I think it works like any other job. So, you know, you go to, I mean, what, what would you say? Like, oh, you know, if you're a lawyer, it's like, don't bring your law into the bedroom. You know, like what? It's yeah, it's your job and your personal life. You separate it like anything else. I think there there are probably people who that's a fetish for. You know, <laughs> probably. Seriously, Your Honor, <laughs> Your Honor, I object. <laughs> no, what's your sex life like? Is it re relatively plain? Do you have what's your fetish? I mean, what are you crazy out there? And these guys are like, holy shit, honey, that's amazing, and I'm gonna go with it. Or are you just, you know, let's just get it over with and turn on Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> 
I'd rather not get into my personal sex life, but I will say this. I do not share any of the fetishes that I do for work. Ah, and, can all, okay. and can all three of us agree that regardless of what your sexual preferences are, Jimmy Fallon would not be would not be a stimulant to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm you know what? In response to that, I agree with Sierra. I am not gonna talk about my personal sex life. <laughs> I, I happen to enjoy Jimmy Fallon. I'm gonna leave it at that. All right. That's all I'm gonna say. But this has to be daunting to any guy that you're dating. You know, I'm sure, you know, first date you're not gonna say anything, second, third, fourth, maybe things start to develop and you're like, hey, there's something you should know. Doesn't it take a lot of guys aback that you know, there's a lot of people out there who have seen you doing a lot of crazy things that they might not even ever want to see. Well, first of all, I tell people what I do when they ask me what I do for a living. I, I just tell people right away that I make fetish videos. Um, so, I, you know, I don't I don't get on that. Um, and second of all, I, I mean, I'm not sure how familiar you are with my work, but I don't even get naked in my videos they're all solo. It's just me. Like I'm just talking to a camera. I dress very sexy. There's that. Um, but it's you know I'm I'm almost rarely make like interacting with actual guys. And when I am, I'm like kicking them in the balls or they're licking my feet. So there's no sex. There's no nudity. So, I mean, I'm from Portland, Oregon. It's very liberal here. I'm sure it'd be really different if I was from Oklahoma or something like that. But it's really <laughs> never been an issue. Like it's wow, it's, we it just, just has we just lost all our Oklahoma listeners. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to admit, and obviously Chris and I haven't you know, seen your videos or, or we're not customers sure, of yours, sure. at least not yet, but that, that is, a, that <laughs> like is what I'm hearing so far though. <laughs> that is amazing to me. So you don't actually get naked. No. And that's part of it because if I were to get naked, okay. Yeah. I would gain other followers, but I would actually lose a lot of my clients because in, in because I am a femdom, because I have this, this alter ego that's superior than thou my clients are undeserving of seeing me naked. Ah, okay. So the whole femdom thing is absolutely critical. You need to command their respect and awe and remain somewhat of a mystery. Yeah, yeah, that's part of it. Do you just think these guys just hate themselves? I mean, what? You, what? <laughs> uh, seriously, we sort of ask the same question when it's reversed. When you have a woman who wants to be dominated and wants to be a slave and wants to be a little girl to you know some guy who treats her like shit, this is the reverse. Do do these guys just hate themselves? What? where does this come from yeah some of them hate themselves but you know so do guys that just like missionary sex hate themselves sometimes too so it, it doesn't necessarily well, like, like i said i'm, I'm gonna say again i'm not gonna talk about my personal sex life <laughs> no. why do you think they hate themselves or what about the situation makes you think that they hate themselves beyond them telling you that they hate themselves yeah sure some people <clears throat> hate themselves some people in general just hate themselves and i i, I don't know if it's more so within my client base compared to the general population. I also talk to guys that are totally cool with themselves and they're just like, yeah, this is just what I'm into and I don't know why. Does being immersed in this world, and I know you've been doing it for a long time now, has it changed your view of humanity or society or the country you live in or the, the time period that you live in? Because you know, it's almost like it's almost like being a cop, right? Cops I mean being a cop changes a person because you see just the bottom the the scum of society and you see the horrible part of humanity, the dark side. And right. you know, and you're kind of in that that area a bit. I mean, how has it changed you? I think it's just made me see how fascinating the male sexuality is. And I, I specify men because I don't think women are 
are like this. And, and what I mean by that is like, you know, obviously there's like submissive women out there, but it, in terms of just like the real random specific fetishes, it's mostly men and men just have like a broad range of sexual interests in a way that women don't seem to. I feel like it, if a woman's kinky, she likes, you know, having her hair pulled or spanked or something like that. She's not necessarily into being shrunken down to the size of an ant and picked up by a giant man and put in his mouth and swallowed, which is an actual fetish for men. So oh I, I just find that I just find that so interesting. I, I think it's it's made me think that like it's just a much more interesting, colorful world out there. You know what? I have to concur with that because I had a first date Tinder date not long ago, and I'm not kidding. We opened up in conversations talking generally. And she told me right off the bat, like it was one of the first two conversation items, that she didn't mind having her hair pulled. Yeah. And again, I was flat. I wasn't expecting that. We had just ordered our first drinks, and I'm ready to. I'm dialing into small talk. Hey, what do you do? How long you been in Chicago? <laughs> she's already going. She's halfway down the list. I'm like, slow down. All right. I'm not there yet. So wait, no, I, I, I have to. I'm, let me piggyback on that. And I've been divorced and dated for 15 years and dated lots of different kinds of I, I think most women uh some are more upfront about it some are more repressed about it but most women like rough sex hair pulled lots mm -hmm. of lots of women like to be choked um yeah. and, and and even spanked and hit and you know, we, we've had a couple guests on here who actually like to be slapped across the face. But I will yeah. tell you, and, and Chris, I think I've told you this before, but I dated someone once. This woman, and similar, it's almost like the female version, I think, Sierra, of your clients. Because mm -hmm. she has a, a literally, not just a fantasy, but a drive, a desire. She She feels like she cannot leave this world without being gang raped violently. Mm -hmm. Or, or not, 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 or, but and, and raped. <laughs> she has purposely walked down alleys at three o'clock in the morning alone, waiting for some guy to brutally beat her and rape her. Because, wow. it, I mean, and she openly talks about it. And then she told me her ultimate fantasy was when she's alone masturbating at night, whatever, she thinks about a, a man killing her, chopping uh -huh. her, chopping her up into little pieces eating her and just devour, devouring her entire body. And then as I got to know her a little bit, it, it turns out she wants to be a funeral director or mortician. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That, I, I want to be her friend. She sounds fucking awesome. She, <laughs> and, and, and just to clarify, just to clarify, Chris, no, you never mentioned that. To me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. I'm sorry. You uh, conveniently skipped over that one, and you and I have shared some stories. That, that's right. a new one. Thank well, you for springing it on the podcast. Yeah, it just, you know, that stunned me, and then I, I think that contributes to the fact that I'm not that stunned when I hear about someone like you, Sierra. You know, the more we hear about it, the more there's less to be shocked about, frankly. Right, yeah. No, I mean, people are shocked because they just don't know, you know. It's, I mean, this, <laughs> this guy, you know, he wanted to buy my piss like 10 years ago, and that was like, holy shit. But now I get guys like... I don't know, several times a week asking to buy my bodily fluids. So it's just like, oh, it's another Thursday. So it's just a matter of being exposed to it. What does an 06 bottle of Lynch uh, urine go for vintage? What is it? What is the price on that? Yeah, 06 a good year for you? I actually recently, I sold this guy two, for, two times, bought my shit for $4,000. 
Holy, okay. Number two? Are we talking two? The deuce? Okay. Yep, All right, question the then. Question then, since you're so knowledgeable about this world, I have to ask the $6,400 question. All right, so here goes. Ready? What do they do with it? What do you think? Oh, they eat it. What? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I, I think the, the Skype connection there went a little. Uh, they, they need it or they eat it? They eat it. Wait, no, isn't it physically, like, really, really bad for you to eat feces? Yeah. I mean, I don't tell them to do it. They just buy it, and whatever they do with it is their own business. But, uh, yeah. Um, I, 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 so I've sold my shit a total of three times. Once was kind of at the beginning of my career, and I sold it to this guy for 100 bucks. And he wrote me a long email about how wow. he was an old man, and he's consumed – Upwards of, God, I don't know. I, he might have been exaggerating. It sounds like he is, but he's consumed upwards of like 40 tons of shit from just thousands of different oh. girls. Oh. All, yeah, and he just wants to, his, in his dying day, he's going to look back and think about all the beautiful women's shit he ate. Like, it was the longest, most insane email. And after oh that, like, oh my God. I was like, said, okay. Yours you was know. the best. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was the best, yeah. <laughs> Um, and you know, after that, I was like, you know, I can make money selling my socks and my panties. I don't really want to deal with my shit. So every time a guy asked me to buy my shit, I gave him just a ridiculous price, just over the top and thinking like, you know, for this much is worth it to me. Otherwise, fuck it. I can make money other ways. And 10 years later, someone finally was like, yeah, okay, I'll pay that much. And then, yeah, fourth. <laughs> fourth. Okay. obtainable. I love this country. So let, <laughs> let's let's just let's just do a quick price list here. So is that the biggest ticket ticket item? Yeah, I think. Okay, it, so it, tangible wise, yeah. All right, so we got a bowel movement at four grand. Uh, yeah. a, a bottle of urine runs about what? Well, I only sold it that one time, the first time, so it was two fifty. You haven't sold urine since then. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, so are you... What about, um, that sounds like so an untapped... Yeah, that sounds like an untapped market. Oh, yeah, that's something... You, yeah, there's a lot of potential there. So what about... Well, uh, that's another thing when guys ask. I, I just give them a ridiculous price, and they're usually balking. So what about saliva, vaginal fluids, any other things that come out of your body? Um, so I've sold, like, we used tampons before um, for about, it was like $300. $300 for used tampon. Okay, panties, how much is a, a pair of panties used? Panties usually range like between two fifty to five hundred dollars. Wow, does that depend on the brand? It depends on because I sell my uh, I sell all this stuff off an auction site, so it's just like eBay, but it's oh. for this like panties and socks and stuff like that. So it all depends on the price the auction ends at, and because, they, that's kind of the range it usually ends at. Because look, I'm not paying sure, I'm not, I'm not paying five hundred bucks for Victoria's Secret. I got to go agent provocateur for five hundred. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Uh, a small envelope full of like toenail clippings. Probably like one fifty. Wow! And I just flushed that yeah. shit down the toilet. Okay. I know. So so what else? What I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm missing some stuff. Pantyhose. What uh, about pantyhose? Pantyhose kind of same price as panties usually. I mean, you get like you know the pussy and the feet in that one. So it's yeah, usually like three hundred, three to five hundred dollars. Well, yeah, that's got more value. So what? What yeah. else? What am I missing? What else is on the the uh, menu? So I'm, I'm just thinking of the lamest things. Like, do you have any stationery that you've written on? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've sold like chewed up gum, my bathroom trash, used hair <laughs> nice. for my hairbrush. 
pubic nice. hair clippings. What's an old What's an old toothbrush go for? Oh, that's that, that's a good. I actually had a client for a while who was paying five hundred dollars for my used toothbrush. Oh my god, <laughs> Sarah, what did you pull in in twenty? What What are you projected to do in twenty sixteen? And by do I mean revenue? What are you projecting uh, revenue wise? Ballpark. Half just ball, in, half ballpark. Ballpark. Done. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I don't like to get into specifics of that. I do make six figures. I'll tell you that much. Um, All right. So, wait, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, over a hundred thousand. Under half a million. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So somewhere we could just call it an average, maybe a quarter of a million dollars selling your underwear. That's not a bad gig. Well, and then selling videos and webcam and all that. So, how much are you actually working? Are you, are you working a full week? What What are you doing? You know, people ask me that, and it's a good question. I wish one could like observe me and see because it's hard to tell like what you know when you're actually you know when you're actually working and when you're doing housework or you're on Facebook or whatever it's all just kind of chopped up if I were to make a guess I, I would say part-time probably like 20 hours a week oh that's perfect that's what we're looking for 20 hours a week six figures that's that's we're signing up for this <laughs> yeah you know um, somehow and this speaks to what we were talking about earlier I, I don't see women paying $250 for men's jockey briefs with a yellow stain on it. I, I don't see that. Yeah. Um, there are men who do what I do who are like humiliatrixes and sell this sort of thing, but they sell to the gay audience. Yeah. See, <laughs> well, it's because I, you know, I don't want to get all psychosexual here, but I, you know, men are very visual and tactical or t not tactical, ta tactile, tactile. Tactile. They like yeah. tactile. tactile. Thank you. They, they're very, ta they like to touch and feel and see and taste. Ugh, gross. But, uh, and, <laughs> and, and women are more about sort of the emotion and the feeling and, you know, the, yeah. the, other stuff so yeah I, I i can see the market for men but it doesn't it doesn't flip over to the other side I can't yeah and i think ben like you know they don't like as long as a woman looks good he's interested in her like right. with women it's like even if a guy's super hot it's like oh he's a stranger i'd rather have a conversation with them get to know him a minute you know they don't want just you know and, and to be fair like you know i like women are attracted to men's sense there's a pheromone thing there like I fucking love like a sweaty musky guy that I'm attracted if I'm attracted to him like I love that kind of musky gross man smell. So there is that, but I'm not about to just buy that from, you know, some guy off the internet that All I don't right. know. Finally I got a right. finally I got a chance with someone cuz I smell like a freaking dog's ass right now. So this is good. <laughs> yeah, and, and I can vouch for him. He he often smells like that. What are the other aphrodisiacs? What catches, you know, if you're out and about in Portland or wherever, what catches your eye? What what, what makes you go, oh, that that is an interesting looking dude? I like guys that are, and I think this is kind of universal for women. I like confidence. Um, is very, very attractive. Someone who, you know, who's like charming, who can carry on a conversation, can talk, but also, you know, hear what I have to say and is actually listening. Um, you know, humor's good, of course. Wow, you must be like crazy turned on right now by the two of us because you just like <laughs> nailed our like three or four greatest attributes right yeah. there. Everything you mentioned times two, you're just having memory. Absolutely. Now, let's have a sensory overload right now. I'm sorry about that. That's awesome. What about your other uh, social life? Like when you're out and about with your besties or your girlfriends in Portland or whatever, what are they like? Do they judge you or do they have a hard time with this? Or Oh, no. I mean, I... I wouldn't waste my time with anyone that <laughs> didn't like what I do. Like, I mean, my my parents know, my family knows, my friends know, and they're all really cool about it. Um, 
So I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm lucky in that way. I have a really good, you know, social support in my life. But, you know, uh, socially, I like to, I travel quite a bit. I'm really into uh, backpacking and I like staying at hostels and meeting other travelers. Um, I like going to comedy shows and storytelling shows. And So you grew up, obviously, in a very liberal environment. And, you know, I, I did my research here. So your dad, I know, is gay, openly gay, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And your parents were divorced at, you were seven? Yeah, is that, is that right? right? Okay, so pretty yeah. pretty young age. Was it a rough childhood? How how was that for you growing up in Portland? I had a very unconventional childhood, um, but it was great. My parents are really awesome people. Like they've, you know, both of them, even through divorce and separation and all that, they've always been in my life. I've always kind of bounced back and forth between them growing up pretty evenly. Um, you know, there was never any question that me and my sister weren't like the most important things in their lives. So, um, so yeah, it was great. But, you know, as you said, my dad is gay. And so it's a little different. And we were raised uh, Jehovah witness until right around the time my parents got divorced. They kind of, my parents went through a divorce, a bankruptcy and leaving a cult basically um, all around the same time. So that was, uh, that was hard for them. That was really, really heavy for them. But um, I don't know if this just speaks to how good a parents they are or how just resilient I was um, or maybe, you know, a combination of both, but it, really wasn't a big deal to me like it I had a pretty happy childhood I had everything I needed and so it was it was all good so none of those things were particularly traumatic whether it was finding out you know your dad was coming out or your parents were getting divorced or you were leaving the religion or the church which of those had the most effect on you I don't know see the church was like was boring me like I hated going and I didn't really get it like I just knew that for some reason, we, you know, our family's a little different. Like we don't celebrate holidays or birthdays and, but we're right. Like we're, you know, we're the right ones and everyone else is wrong. And so I trusted my parents in that thinking like, okay, we're doing the right thing. I kind of, I mean, it wasn't like a definitive decision where they're like, Hey, we're not going to go to church anymore. We just kind of stopped going. And, and I was so young that after a while I was like, Hey, we don't, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> like I just kind of realized it. And then when my parents divorced, I remember, so yeah, I was about seven. And I remember my older sister was like, because my parents sat us down and told us they were separated. And I remember she was crying and I was just like, whatever, I want to go back outside and play. Like, <laughs> I didn't really care. It, 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 it seemed like, um, it just seemed like an adult thing, you know, it was like, this has nothing to do with me. Yeah. And besides, I actually have this, this memory as a kid, um, I was in elementary school and a lot of my peers were talking about their parents were getting a divorce. And I actually thought, I was like, huh, I wonder when my parents are getting a divorce. (laughs) (laughs) Because it it just seems so normal. And then eventually they did. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. You guys kind of fight a lot. (laughs) Don't seem to really like each other. Um, And they got married really young. My mom was like 17. And when my dad came out to me, I already knew, first of all, um, I found incriminating evidence on his computer and so I kind of had that figured out already um and it was kind of the same feeling like when he finally just you know he told me um it was the same feeling of when my parents got divorced which was just like okay you know this just doesn't have anything to do with me it just none of it was really traumatic to me at all um I mean I think now as an adult uh coming from a parents that were divorced I realize. You know, I don't really, I, I never really grew up knowing what 
it takes to have a long-term healthy relationship. Um, so I guess I missed out on that. Was your dad, uh, was it, may I ask, was it hard for him? Was it to, to be gay and in a marriage? I mean, was that just a very painful thing for him? Yeah, I think it was difficult for him because I, I think if him and my mom were able to just kind of get along as people, as partners, he would have stayed in the marriage for as long as me and my sister were uh, children or, you know, until we were out of the house. Like, I think he would have done that. And I think he, I think he harbored a lot of guilt in that he was worried that he would be blamed for the divorce because he was gay, which that wasn't really the reason that they just weren't compatible people. They just, you know, they got married really young and they're just, they're just really different people. And, you know, they just had a hard time living together. So kudos to them though, for raising you. And I assume your sister the same way that you seem very open to alternative lifestyles and to whatever people are into and, and very willing to embrace the things that you're into because so i mean you're you're profiting off a lot of people who bury <laughs> right. who bury what they're into and secretly yeah. you know sort of indulge themselves but it's kind of sad that there's there are so many people who just don't they don't feel able or they don't feel the right to express themselves in a way that makes them happy and, yeah you know, i agree that's it's really sad i think it's really sad to live a double life basically because your sexuality is a huge part of yourself and it seems even bigger when it has to be a secret oh absolutely i think i'm very curious and i have no ulterior motives for answering this question i want to preface it by saying that what <laughs> okay. what kind of a guy are you attracted to do you like a really strong dominant guy or do you like a more <laughs> you know sort of laid back i don't like submissive guys i don't like a guy that i feel like is kind of is a doormat or someone i can walk all over that's not attractive to me i like a guy who can lead without being controlling if that makes sense you know like someone who can like you know take things on but at the same time is laid back enough to like you know if someone else wants to take things on he's like all right that's cool so, so somewhere in the middle there i don't like someone like overly domineering or aggressive or anything like that i tend to date pretty nice guys do you tend to date guys who have a lot of kink or are a little bit more vanilla, which is a term we learned recently, Chris? <laughs> vanilla, yes, yeah. of course. I've been with one guy that had like a bit of a foot fetish. Um, we didn't date very long. Not not because of that, but just other reasons. Um, <laughs> I'm getting my confidence back listening because I was worried because I'm pretty I'm, I'm pretty vanilla and I was in fact I'm known in certain circles as vanilla ice and uh, <laughs> basically, but now I feel good. I just I still have that line from Dumb and Dumber going through my head. So you're saying there's still a chance. There's still a chance. <laughs> right. Do you want a conventional life where you get married? It's a monogamous relationship. You have kids. Is that what you want? No, I, I'm I'm definitely into some form of non-monogamy. Um, I yeah I, I, I I've I, my limit with monogamy is usually about two years, and then I start getting antsy, and I kind of just want to fuck other people. That's spoken by somebody who knows herself well and is willing to admit it, because I think a lot of people probably feel that way. I mean, let, let's come right out and say it. I mean, nobody wants to fuck the same person for 50 years. I mean, that, that sounds so, especially now where the Internet exposes you to world people all over the world. Yeah, and I like, I, I, I'm not a particularly jealous person. Like, I... The guys I date, like, I encourage them to fuck other women, and I think it's fun. I think it's hot. I, I dated this guy for a while that, like, when we had sex, like, he would tell me about the other woman he had sex with, and 
Ah, I just think that sort of thing is pretty fun. So, so threesomes, uh, polyamorous, where do you fall in that world? So polyamory, that's an interesting one. When I think of polyamory, I think of like, you know, you have, well, it's like multiple loves. So, you know, you have uh, your boyfriend and your girlfriend. Um, yeah, I've or a couple never of boyfriends, situa- right. Yeah, I've never been in like a triad like that before, or like a quad or anything. Um, I usually have like one primary partner and then um i guess flings i do a lot of flings (laughs) especially when i travel like i'll usually have some like travel romance and you know different from a one night stand in that like you know it's someone that i you know like to fuck and spend time with um how do you meet men you're are you on tinder are you on match.com are you just hanging at bars with your friends what 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 are you doing yeah i don't really do I, i have dabbled in online dating i didn't really care for it um yeah, just, you know, meet guys through friends. Through I mean, traveling, you, you meet tons of people all the time. So there's that. Um, I, I'm kind of, I don't really like to sleep with guys locally, um, which sounds weird. Guys tend to get pretty attached to me and they tend to like me more than I like them. And so I usually like, I'll get with a guy from like out of town because you know, one of us will <laughs> <to> soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got that safe distance, go that buffer zone. Yeah. Do you travel at all for work? Let me translate that question for you. Do you ever go to Chicago by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I work to travel. Um, I work a bunch, and then when I travel, I want to be traveling. And so that's, that's what I do. I mean, I, I answer emails and stuff like that, but um, I try to just, I'll, I'll shoot a bunch of videos and bank them so that while I'm traveling, they're releasing, you know, while I'm gone. And so the machine just kind of keeps running while, while I'm away. What was it about online dating that didn't suit you or that you weren't comfortable with? I, it wasn't that I was uncomfortable with it. I guess I just didn't find guys that I liked. You get bombarded with messages of guys that just really don't try. <laughs> you know, they're just like, hey. What is a message from a guy who is trying? What does he say in his opening message? Because that's key. It's hard to write that opening email. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, I, I know it's hard for guys. Um, for me, like, usually humor works. If you say something kind of funny and clever, you know, maybe point out something in my profile to show that you actually read it. Just another bit of advice. Um, for me, what always works for me, and guys never, ever do this, invite me to something specific. Like, have a date, have a plan, be like, hey, this friend, do you want to go to this show, you know? No guys do that anymore. They're just like, hey, maybe we can meet up at a bar or have a, you know, get some coffee. Like, That's a great suggestion. And Chris, I think this validates something that you and I talked about a few, yes. days, a few days ago in Detroit where I send told you, Uber. send her send a her car. Uber. That's it. So <laughs> what do you think about that, Sierra? So I told Chris, you know, uh-huh. first date, really impressive. Not only have plans. Here's where we're going. Here's what we're doing. We're going to meet at this oh. restaurant. And then afterwards, we're going to do this. And oh, by the way, send me your address because I'm sending you a car. I don't want you to take the train. I don't want you to drive into the city. I'm sending you a car. And by the way, I insist. Yeah. No, that's uh, the only thing I'd be wary of is, you know, if I didn't know you, I wouldn't want to give you my address. But besides that, like if she's uncomfortable giving you her address, you could say, well, you know, go someplace where you're comfortable and I'll have you picked up there. I totally understand not giving me your address. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's smooth. That's good advice. You've been doing this for 10 years. You're obviously well, um, you know, immersed in the community. 
what what happens next? Where do you? You're 27. You're making really good money. Where do you go from here? Where, where does this go? Gosh, you know, I don't know. I don't know where my life is going to be at that time. Um, I'm not particularly. I, I used to be worried about money. Like that was a thing. I was like, "Fuck, what am I going to do this anymore?" I'm not so worried about that anymore. I have you know some investment properties here, and you know my house is actually almost paid off, and I have a nice nest egg, and you know I, I, I just actually just recently bought into another vanilla business, if you will. So not too worried about money. Um, in terms of just what I want to do, just in life, um, I like writing a lot. I'm working on a book. I'm actually working uh, on a movie right now um, with a filmmaker, which has been an interesting project been working on for the past three years and uh we just recently launched our kickstarter to help fund at least part of it um we actually have a couple of private investors that have funded most of it but we're um crowdfunding for the rest of it i don't want to gloss over that because that's so this movie is a documentary actually about you isn't it yeah it's a yeah it's a sort of a hybrid documentary thriller and um it's directed and also stars um australian filmmaker julian shaw Okay. And he approached me like three years ago. Um, he flew out and, uh, you know, just kind of followed me around with the camera. But uh, yeah, this year we're going to shoot the rest of it and get it going. I'm pretty excited about it. So, so where can folks find the Kickstarter campaign? How do they search for it and find you? Um, probably the best way, you just go to my Twitter, um, which is at Sierra Lynch. Um, and I'll have it pinned at the top, a link to it. Okay. And we'll, we'll give all that at the end, uh, at the end of the episode, too. Um, cool. I don't know how much you've listened to the podcast, but we, Chris and I like to spend a little bit of time with the guests, and then we like to have some quickies. Uh, so if you could do anything in the world and be guaranteed that you would be successful, what would you do? I have no fucking idea. Um, <laughs> I would be a mind reader. Ooh, I know that wasn't the kind of answer you're looking for. No, but... <laughs> we take all the no, judges will take it. That kind of turns it into a what superpower would you want question. I like that, yeah. though. Um, any any regrets or anything that you look I mean like I said you're still young it's not like you made a lot of mistakes yet everything's worked out well for you but anything uh, when you look back on your young life so far anything that you thought you messed up or a path you didn't go down that you always thought about someone you think about anything like that no not really nothing comes to mind Damn it. We're not getting anywhere with this I one. I knew she was going to say that. I knew she was going to say that. No, I have to ask this, though. And we usually never ask the, both of those these questions at the same time. What did you want to be when you grew up when you were little? A uh, marine biologist. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I think I just, I liked, like, uh, whales and, and ocean life. So I liked the idea of being in the sea. But you know what? I scuba dive now. So that's way less schooling than being a marine biologist yeah. so I'll take that. you're getting a taste of it you're getting a taste of it and we'll close it up with uh, with this one what was your uh, what was the song that really defined you as you were growing up that you really gravitated towards both the uh, lyrics and sound and things like that that really stuck with you and really kind of defined you as you came of age you know i was a diehard smashing pumpkins fan growing up oh like, yeah I, chicago uh... band I shaved my head for Billy Corgan one year, like going to their concerts. Like I was crazy. Um, I don't know that any like the songs lyric wise, I was like, oh yeah, this is me. But I think just growing up and being, you know, a typical angsty teenager, um, just the music was just, yeah, I, I loved it. I, I listened every day. I was obsessed. Sierra, thank you so much for joining us. And yeah. if people want to check you out, you're, you are at sierralynch.com, which is uh, C-E-A-R-A, 
Lynch, L-Y-N-C-H.com. Correct. Um, so they can find you there and look for your film. What's the name of your film? Do you know the name of it coming out? It's uh, Ruin Me. Ruin Me. Ooh, yeah. I like <laughs> that. That's, that's perfect. And on that note, thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it. Not only has it been enjoyable, but extremely educational. And I know for a fact, Chris took a lot of notes. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Glad to hear it. <laughs> and you and I, once we hang up, we'll discuss prices. I saw some stock on the catalog. I really like it. <laughs> uh, Sierra, thank you for sharing your story. And uh, you sound very healthy and uh, healthy of mind. And thanks for coming on with us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sierra Lynch. And we are Chris and Chris MG at gmail.com. Send us a note, and there should be some comments and some notes about this one. Chris and Chris MG at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys.